hockey coach just then. I asked the baptism candidates to just huddle real quick while we went over some last-minute things like, do you have any deathly fear of water? Uh, I found out in the first service that we had two, six individuals getting baptized, by the way, this morning. Two that were baptized in the first service. One had a deathly fear of water, which is a bad thing when you're getting baptized. What I didn't tell them beforehand, we would have sprinkled, dude. We would have, you know, we would have, you know, we would have figured something out. But you overcame your fear. Look at this. Live to tell the story. That's great. Yeah. Uh, good morning again. Uh, I'll repeat that. It is a good morning. And uh, Baptism Sundays are a special deal. I mean, they're just, it's such a great privilege to walk with people who are making such an important uh, public decision, profession of their faith, and so on. And so we're going to do that in a few minutes. But before we do, I wanted to chat first about what baptism is, is and what it means so that we kind of get a, an idea of what they're doing. First of all, baptism is a one-time event. It's not something you do over and over and over again. And it's a way of publicly declaring that the person being baptized is now welcome as part of this community of faith. Based on the grace and the love of God, they are now part of us. And it's also a way for them to publicly profess and declare their loyalty and their devotion and their love for Jesus, something that we're told we're, we're meant to do. Uh, let me give you a quick, uh, some quick background on baptism. When, when Jesus was growing up, the, the practice of baptism was already around for quite a while. It was in a different form. But in that day, if a Gentile, a non-Jew, decided to become part of the Jewish community, that conversion could be expressed through baptism. It was a way of saying this person who has been an outsider is now part of the family. The idea that was, that, uh, that was practiced by the Israelites spread, and in Jesus' day, we see it practiced in the life of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Um, the reason they called him John the Baptist was he baptized people. It's not because he was a Baptist. There was no Baptist denomination in those days. Uh, Jesus didn't have other cousins like Simon the Methodist or Peter the Pentecostal or Andrew the Anglican. But baptism was a, a way for Israelites to say, I want to repent. I, I want to be known as one who loves God. I know I need cleansing, and I know I can't do that in, on my, by myself. I need God to do that for me. And then Jesus came along, and not only was he baptized himself as a symbol of his solidarity with the human race, he instructed his followers to practice this. We find this really clear in the mandate he gave. Some of his final words to his, his disciples. In, great, in Matthew 28, it says, Therefore, Jesus says, Go and make disciples, followers of me, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, that's just some uh, background on baptism. I, I want to dig in some as to what it means. And to get us thinking about this, I first want to ask you a question. What are some of the best things about being a Christian? What are the, maybe I could rephrase that. What are the perks of being a Christian? What are good things that we get in on uh, by being a Christian? I'll just throw it out there. Just throw out one word, phrase. Let, let's hear from you. Speak it out with great boldness. Hope. Absolutely. Yeah. Freedom. Eternal life, yes. Being forgiven. What else? Acceptance. It's good. Peace. 
Pancakes and bacon. That's just a perk of being part of a hillsider if you're in their kids' ministry, but other than that, that's not necessarily a perk. But good answer, John. Anyone else? Being loved and being freed to love. That's great. That's really good. There's probably only a couple more, so just, I'll just, I'll wait. Anybody else? Answers to, answers to prayers. Faith. I, I love, actually, there are endless possibilities. I think we, if we sat here and brainstormed, we could go on and on and on. Perhaps one of my favorites, the one I want to highlight this morning is, it's, it's, it's just a small word, and, and Brett stole my punch by saying it right off the bat, hope. How many of you like the word hope? I, I think hope is a very, very good word. First um, Peter three fifteen, the apostle Peter says these words. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Peter thought that, that every Christian should be marked by this one thing. They should be marked by hope, somehow defined by hope. Um, Okay, now everyone thinks my favorite film is Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's not true. It's actually number two, three, and four. Uh, number one is Shawshank Redemption. I love the redemption story in Shawshank. And, and one of the things that that story is about, it's about hope. And how in prison, which could be a, a picture of life on this earth, that we can sometimes lose hope. We can get what, what Andrew Dufane called, or, or what uh, Red called in that movie, institutionalized but hope is what it's all about, and, and I like how Andy Dufresne, he, he ends the film with these lines, hope is a good thing, maybe the best thing, and no good thing ever dies. And friends, hope is what sets us apart. But, but what is our hope? Rick Warren, uh, pastor, author of the best-selling book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, um, Rick, together with his wife, just three years ago, went through a devastating loss. They're their son Matthew took his own life after struggling for, for many years with mental illness and depression. And about a year after this tragedy, Rick said this. He said, I've often been asked, how have you made it? How have you kept going in your pain? And his reply, the hope that we have that comes from Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The hope that we have that comes out of that first Easter weekend, what happened all on Christ on the cross in that weekend. He says, Friday was the day of suffering and pain and agony. Saturday was the day of doubt and confusion and misery. But Easter, that Sunday, was the day of hope and joy and victory. And folks, this is simply a, a fact of life. We'll all face those three types of days over and over and over again throughout our lifetimes. And when we do, we'll find ourselves asking these, these three fundamental questions. What do I do in my days of pain? How do I get through my days of, of doubt and confusion? And, and how do I get on to the days of joy and victory? And Rick's answer, I believe a Christian's answer, is the hope that we have in Jesus because of his death and his burial and his resurrection. And, and this morning, if you wonder what this act of baptism is all about, it's really about those things. It's about hope. When we become Christians, we receive Christ. We accept Christ our whole lives now get bound up, tied up with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, the Apostle Paul makes this really plain in, in Colossians 2. He says, for when you were baptized, 
you were buried with Christ, going down into the water, and in baptism you were also raised with Christ. Our fates, our futures, are now tied up in Jesus. It's a, a little bit like the day I got married, which was a very, very good day. We're coming on 24 years this year. It's been a good 24 years. Yes! She should be applauded, I think. Uh, it was a great day, but it was a scary day. It was a scary day because she is an awfully fearsome woman. That's what I wanted. Somewhat fearsome. Actually delightful in every way. Actually, it was scary because of the vows we were about to make to one another that we're, we're go was going to tie us together in a permanent kind of way. I mean, think about the vows people say on their wedding day. We, we said these vows. We said, for, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. I, I mean, you can't say that without being a little solemn and somber because it's serious things that you're doing. I, I was saying... Whatever your future is, is now my future. Our futures are bound together. If, if we strike it rich, we're rich together. If, if calamity strikes, we'll go through that together. This is what Paul is trying to say when he talks about baptism, when he talks about becoming a, a Christian. He's really saying when you put your life in Christ's hands, you're now dead to your sin. You're buried with, with Christ, but in baptism... You're also raised with Christ to new life. So, so by the way, being a Christian does not mean that you, will go, you won't go through days of pain. Being, being a Christian does not mean you, you won't go through, through days of, of doubt and, and discouragement and, and confusion. Being a Christian does mean, though, that your life is now bound up with Christ. Your future is wrapped up with him, and, 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 and his future is your future. And you get in on this victory that he won in his death and burial and resurrection. He, he actually, in that, that great Easter weekend, he accomplished something. He overcame something. That The two things, really, that are the only things that can rob us of our hope. Sin and death. When, when you think about it, those are really the only two things we really have to fear. Those are the, the, the only things that can really steal our, our, our hope or rob us of our futures is, is sin and death. And Jesus' victory through the cross over sin and death becomes our victory over sin and death. I mean, the Apostle Paul wrote about this great victory in, in 1 Corinthians 15 where he says, Where, O death, is your victory? And where, O death, is your sting? He says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But he says, But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in a nutshell, baptism is a reminder that we're all wrapped up in Jesus. Our future is tied to his. Our hope is in, is him, in him. And he has won the lottery. He vanquished our enemies. We're talking party time, people. Party! We have another uh, big reason for hope. And it's simply this. It's, it's about him. It's not about us. And we get this confused, I think, when it comes to thinking about what it means to be a Christian. I grew up thinking that it was a very moralistic thing, that, that being a Christian was about becoming a good person. Actually, uh, being a Christian is not so much about becoming a good person. It's about recognizing that we are inherently bad people who need saving, who need God's grace. 
Here's the funny thing. I, when I talk to people about baptism again and again and again, I, I get kind of this, yeah, but I'm not worthy enough. I love Jesus, and I, I, I'm, a Christ, I, I'm a Christian. I, 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 I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe in, the, in what happened that weekend, but somehow I still feel like I need to earn his love. I need to prove my worth to God. I need, need to somehow deserve this. I'm not quite mature enough. I'm not quite good enough. Do you know, can I tell you something? Boy, that's a crock. It's just not right. It doesn't line up with what the Bible tells us. Um, I, I uh, have been, been having this Old Testament story kind of become an image for me this last few weeks. And it's kind of a crazy story. It's, it's interesting. And it's found in, in 2 Kings 5. There's this guy by the name of Naaman, and he's a leper, uh, covered with spots, uh, a terrible skin disease. It'll kill you eventually. And Naaman is encouraged to go and, and cross boundaries, come to Israel, and visit the prophet of God, Elijah. And he travels to do this. And, and Naaman, by the way, is a rich man, powerful man, uh, a leader, uh, a warrior. Um, and so what he brings with him is kind of his entourage. You can imagine he's bringing gifts of gold and all these kind of things that he's going to bring to Elijah to pay for his healing. He assumes this is what he needs to do. And he comes to Elijah, and Elijah just uh, sends a servant. Elijah doesn't even greet him and says, I don't want your gifts. Just go to the river, and I want you to bathe seven times. That's it. And it's interesting, Naaman's response, and it's not so different than the people that object to getting baptized who are believers. Naaman's like, no way. I want to pay. I'm offended that you asked me what, to bathe. That's it? You want me to bathe? I was prepared to go and, and, and like fight some great, and give me a champion to fight. Give me something to do. I got to earn this. And eventually, somebody convinces him to, to have sense and say, no, it's a gift. You just need to go down to the water. You need to dip yourself seven times. I, I, I think it's interesting that, that baptism is our image. I, I don't think it's by accident um, that Jesus asks us as an expression of our faith in Christ, go dip yourself in the water. <laughs> go be dipped. Do you know what dipping yourself in the water is? It's a humbling thing. You're also out of control. I mean, you got to trust the person who's baptizing you. That's what I say because <laughs> you never know. It was really tempting with Brett earlier. I, I was really tempted just to hold him down for a little bit extra just to see if it would take. In fact, we believe baptism is once and once only, but for you, we'll make an exception. We want to baptize you again. with a couple bars of soap. It's, a, it's this humility that Christ asks for us. In fact, becoming a Christian is an incredibly humbling experience. It's saying, I don't deserve this. I can't earn this. I can't pay for this. It's a gift. I can only receive it. I give my life to Christ. I put my life in his hands. I receive his forgiveness. It's an act of, of sheer grace and it's a gift from God and, and some of us are, are still kind of going yeah but I want to I want to show you God I, I'm okay and God's kind of saying you know what I know you're really not okay and, and that's okay because my son he's okay and if you put your faith in him I take care of all your not okayness I've never explained the gospel quite like that before I, th I think that's the gospel, guys, is you're not okay, I'm not okay, Jesus is okay, and God thinks that's okay for us. 
we get his okayness. Anyway, I'm going to stop now because this is just going to, yeah, okay? Okay? All right. Um, so what is baptism? It's simply us putting our trust in what Jesus has done through his death and through his burial and through his resurrection and trusting that it was enough to cover our sins and our brokenness and our shame and that we can be well and healed, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. And, and so these individuals aren't going to get up before us today, and their testimony isn't how they've got it all figured out. It's how they've, they've looked to Jesus. And how Jesus says, now you're okay because of me. I think it's a great deal. It's a bargain, folks. Um, I want to just explain, but baptism, uh, this, this outward act that we take this morning, uh, water baptism, doesn't save you. Doesn't, that, it's not what makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is, is this internal commitment you make to Jesus. Like my vows, um, you know, wearing a wedding band didn't make me married, doesn't make me married. I can take this off and I'm still married. It was my vows, it was that commitment I made to Jesus. And that's what makes us believers is that commitment that we make in our hearts to Jesus. It's a heart deal. So the water is just kind of an outward sign of, of something that's already happened inside. Let me encourage you this morning, if, if you are a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, it's a great moment. And, and when you stand in front of the congregation and you take that step, it's a moment of celebration for, for everybody who sees it. And if you haven't done it, if you've been waiting for some reason, if you've been waiting for your spouse or somebody else to decide so you can do it together, I, I'd say stop waiting. Um, sometimes people have known Jesus for a long, long time and, and they're kind of like, embarrassed because they don't want other people to know that they haven't already been baptized let me ask you is embarrassment a good reason not to get baptized no it's not a good reason <laughs> jesus he went through so much for us think about what this act symbolizes such a great gift and all he's asking is take a bath dip in the river that's all he's asking how hard is that it's not difficult and so if you haven't done that, it'd be a great step for you to take, and I'd encourage you to do that. And, and trust me, folks, here at Hillside, we will cheer you on and pray you on, and we agree to continue to journey with you for the rest of your lives as you walk with Jesus. In light of all this, we now get to experience some baptisms together. And uh, we're going to have each of these individuals come up and share their testimonies with us. Uh, there, I heard them first service already, and those that were here did, and we get to hear a second time. They're great. Love, love the fact that they're kind of sharing their lives with us. Uh, I'm going to introduce them all real quick, and just quickly stand up where you are. Alex O'Young is here. Uh, we've got Jenna Basselt getting baptized, Amy Forsyth, Daniel Lim, Brett Piggott, and Caden Schmidt. Let's give them a warm welcome today. Alex, come on up here. So prior to meeting Jesus, uh, my life was already somewhat rooted in Christian values, and uh, I have my mother to thank for that. Um, she was not a churchgoer, but she claimed to believe in God and wanted me to follow suit. So she always told me, don't lie, don't cheat, treat people kindly, be a good person. Um, although I think this was more fear conditioning than anything, because uh, she also said, uh, if you're a bad person, you're going to hell. 
This early foray into Christianity was a little short-lived, though, uh, as uh, negative views on religion in general started to surface within my family. Uh, this negativity was non-discriminate, and it became a kind of a them and us, or those people, or and normal people sort of uh, mentality regarding anyone who practices religion. So fast forward a couple years later, and uh, meeting a devout Christian friend and her family, and uh, coming to Hillside for the first time, um, that was sort of a turning point, and that's when I started to grasp the idea of accepting Jesus into my life and eventually putting my trust in him. When I met this friend for the first time, we instantly bonded over having the same sort of values and morals, and what really struck me was how well she could handle situations that I would find really difficult. And uh, I later found out this is because of her belief in Jesus, and um, I remember there was one moment in time when uh, there was a, a real pestering issue, and I don't remember what it is now, but... Um, and I was beating myself over the head over it, and she said just four words to me. Have you tried praying? And at first, I was kind of skeptical, like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it later, sort of thing. So a few days later, I was like, okay, I've got no solution still. Let's try this. So I did it, and um, after praying, there was no magical bell, and there was no clear-cut answer that just sort of fell in my lap. But um, it was immediately comforting having someone to confide in and, and to ask for guidance. And there was a, a sense of calmness. Now, since then, uh, I've been working on praying more. And uh, I've also been working on having more compassion for those around me, especially those I sort of neglected in the past. Uh, I've also been um, learning to recognize that I can't do everything myself and to put my life in the hands of Jesus. And I recently had this urge to finally commit not just outwardly, but inwardly as well. And that's why I'm standing here, and that's why I, I got baptized. Great. Thanks. Um, okay, so before I personally met Jesus, he was shown to me lots through my family. Um, I saw the great love that they had for him through their attitudes and examples of living. So I always knew, like, right from the get-go that this Jesus guy was pretty snazzy, well, as well as crazy awesome with forgiveness and love. Um, as I grew up, I struggled to separate my faith from everyone else's, and so it was very shallow, but I still desperately wanted to know God more. There was a moment when I was little that I accepted Jesus at my grandparents' house, but it really came after that through lots of tiny glimpses that I began to see him in my everyday life. The most awesome... <laughs> the most common time that I experience this is when I'm in nature, usually running. Don't get me wrong, hikes are great too, but running's kind of different. Usually after I hit wall after wall and I think my legs are gonna fall off, he gives me that extra bit of strength that I wouldn't have had to get to the top of the hill. Or when the sun's beating down and there's no shade, he gives me a perfect breeze at a great time. Or when my brain's mentally exhausted, he dances the leaves right in front of where I'm about to go. I see his majesty in his creation, and it just astounds me that the one who made all that could love me so much with such unconditional and continual love. God's really shown me his forgiveness in these past years and given me so much happiness and joy. I used to have this idea that baptism was the only thing that mature Christians did, and that wasn't me yet, but it's just the first step. So even though God's been leading me for a while now, I wanted to show where my joy comes from. So to sum it up, I love Jesus, and I want to love him more. And a verse that really encapsulates that attitude towards God is found in Psalm 16. And it says, Preserve me, O God, 
for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my God. I have no good apart from you. I was born and raised in a Christian home, and my dad was a pastor for a good seven or eight years of my life. As a result of this, I accepted Jesus at a young age. It was at my grandparents, and my grandma and sister were discussing hell. <laughs> this was the first time I'd heard of it, and I was pretty scared. Um, so I went into the den and asked Jesus into my heart. I don't remember much from that day, not even my age, but I do remember feeling this wave of comfort. It was just me, all alone, snuggled on a couch, being loved by Jesus. Since then, my faith has been, a, has been a part of my life that is irreplaceable. Jesus has given me comfort amidst grief, courage in times of fear, love when I was distant, and recently melted my grudge towards baptism. I've never liked public speaking and was terrified of dunking my head under water for the majority of my life, so baptism wasn't appealing. I would think, I can still be a Christian and not get baptized, right? <laughs> but frankly, I was kind of wrong. Uh, my fear was taking over. Fear in general has been something that I've struggled with a lot in my life. Fear of failure, fear of disaster, fear of loss, fear of not being accepted, fear of being hurt, fear of embarrassment, fear of not being good enough, fear of standing here today. <laughs> I reread my prayer journal the other day, and there was a prayer for courage and guidance. And in the next entry, I wrote that I felt peace on the subject. This was in September, and I was joining a theater group. And we just had our show, and what I thought would be a terrible experience was not. I've never liked being the center of attention and being on stage. And this has always come with like nerves and negative thoughts. And yet when I got on stage last week, I had like no nervousness <laughs> and adrenaline was basically non-existent. I acted, danced, and sang my heart out with no fear. I'm pretty sure that was God. The fear we've been working through lately is baptism. God has been nagging me these last few months through repeated announcements, classes, scripture, <laughs> encouragements, and evidence of his love for me. As I said before, he really did melt my grudge. I feel absolutely none of the animosity I did before. When I think back, I wonder how I ever thought I had the right idea about baptism. <laughs> I find it hard to understand how can God can love us with all our faults, fears, and failures, but I'm really glad he does. Simply, I want to commit to following Jesus for the rest of my life and share with you my desire to do so. Um, when I was in high school back in Malaysia, I was distant from God. I stopped praying as much. Uh, I skipped church a few times. It could be because of the surrounding environment or who I was hanging out with. But when I moved to Canada, I want to start new. So I tried to be more active in church activities, but I didn't really feel any tremendous changes. Like many others who were born in a Christian family, I never felt there was a turning point in my life. Not until I went to uh, Carrie's camp. The message there from one of the speakers was truly empowering. And it was about God's grace and forgiveness. Even though I have heard and know about God's grace, I don't think I fully understand it in a spiritual way. That moment was different and it was the closest I ever felt to being with Jesus. So I came to a conclusion that it could have been guilt that has kept me distant from God after all. So after being 
reminder of God's grace and forgiveness and being touched by the Holy Spirit, I felt more relief, joy, and less worries in my daily life. Knowing that I am imperfect and a sinner, but God still loved me and helped guide me journey through this earthly life. I want to be a follower of Jesus, and so Paul of that is taking this step today. I was baptised this morning, the water's still very dirty, sorry. Okay, growing up, my family was loving but also very broken. I went through a number of very difficult experiences, family issues that included domestic violence, addictions, divorce, isolation and loneliness. These childhood experiences hurt me big time and still do now. I never learned anything about the Bible. My family and I only attended churches uh, for weddings and funerals. I didn't have any Christian friends. I actually didn't know anyone who considered themselves a Christian when I was younger. Churches were intimidating. I struggled with my understanding of faith or religion. I I thought it was for those people who had uh, their lives together, people who come from good families and people without pain. I met a few Christians as I got older and I always thought they had something I didn't. An inner peace. At the same time, I had something missing in my heart and couldn't be filled, couldn't be filled with possessions or by other people. I struggled with direction, what life was all about. Life's um, distractions left me empty and I wondered why. My solution was if I worked hard, uh, good things would come to me. So I focused on working hard, doing the right thing and not being a burden to others. My curiosity started when I attended a funeral and saw my wife's grandmother who was comfortable with her husband's passing. She's a believer and uh, he was going to a better place and I found that hard to understand and then I started on the journey of why. Um, A guy in my football team in Australia was a leader of uh, the military Christian fellowship group at my uh, military base and one day I, I said to him, you know, listen, I, I want to learn about God, but didn't know how. He put me through a, a six-week study course. I think it was Christianity Explained, uh, before he was posted out. And then I, uh, I started attending the fellowship meetings at the base chapel. I found the meetings intimidating. I asked lots of questions to lots of Christians. Uh, most had had lightning bolt experiences in their lives, so that was intimidating. Um, I got given some Christian books and people prayed for me. Still, I battled with my thoughts. I wasn't clean enough. I had to get rid of my emotional scarring, the brick walls, the anger from my family experiences. A few months went by and a guy at a party recommended his church. He said it was friendly and it wasn't intimidating at all. I went the next morning and took my youngest son, Liam. And not long into the service, the juice and bread appeared out in front of with the pastor. A lady turned to me and said she would mind uh, Liam when I went up for the Lord's Supper and I said I wouldn't know what to do or say. The lady explained the significance and asked if I'd go up. I did, she was a very sweet lady and in fact she was the pastor's mother-in-law. 
From then on, I went back to the, that church each week, joined a home group, but still no lightning bolt. Months went by, but at home one night after my family had gone to bed, I, bed, I felt the Holy Spirit and a missing part to my heart, missing peace. My journey was long, 43 years before I accepted Jesus. Five years ago, we left our family and everything we owned behind in Australia. Mary Jane and I uh, left our long-term careers to come to Canada with our kids. This is where God wants us to be and has provided us with a church family. The Lord provided me with the opportunity to do what I love, to work in the community, helping others, to work with my hands and a chance to meet amazing people along the way. I have a family that knows God. He has impacted us. Um, I still have issues from my childhood experiences. I am broken but saved. It gives me comfort knowing there is hope and inner peace. I can feel him with me and I have a, fa a father for the first time in my life. I'm a believer and I love Jesus and I was baptised today in front of my church family. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. We have one more. Caden, get out of here. For a while, to me, being a Christian didn't really mean very much. I was born into a Christian family with a family that shaped me into a Christian. After I entered what I call my conscious years, which started somewhere around five to six years into my life, I was given the choice to follow Christ or not. Really, I saw no reason not to. At that point, accepting Christ to me meant going to church, participating in discussions during Sunday school, all the simple things. I mean, I couldn't really understand very much more. As I grew up, however, it never really became anything else. It ended up being more about my morals than about my direction in life. As time went on, I started to get concerned about what I was going to do in school. School has always been a very important thing for me, but I had never really ranked it in importance in my life. It always had a, a veto power. It wasn't until the past several months that I've really started to see that school doesn't need to be the essence of my life with everything else built around it. In fact, it shouldn't. A couple of months ago, I was having a particularly stressful week and I didn't want to talk to people very much. That Friday night, there was a chapel event with the youth group here and I hadn't been before. In case you didn't know, it's youth chapel, so the music's extremely loud. Normally, I'd say that's unnecessary, but it actually let me sing without feeling any judgment whatsoever because it's not like anyone's gonna hear you anyway. It was one of those kinds of moments where a shiver goes through you because the moment is just so great. Right then, I just said to God, I feel like I don't have a close relationship with you. What can I do for you? And he just simply said, get baptized. As the next few days went by, I thought about it occasionally, ended up realizing that I was scared of it. I thought, you know what would be great? A baptism class. But I just kind of kept that thought to myself, almost feeling kind of ashamed at how silly it would be not to have this kind of thing be natural. Lo and behold, two weeks later, baptism class is on the announcements Sunday morning. <laughs> I knew then for sure this was just God saying, you want a class? Here you are. Go get baptized. <laughs> After that, there was no way I wasn't getting baptized. This was the time and place God had chosen for me. As soon as I realized this, I just felt this fullness fill me. It was a satisfaction that comes not from any academic accomplishment or a video game beaten, 
but from following the way of God. I was also no longer worried, which is kind of a strange thing for me. There was always some homework, some event, really anything to worry about. Now I'm no longer worried about what I'm going to do for the rest of my life or, you know, what I'm going to do for school, how I'm going to finish my homework, any of that. It's all in God's hands now. Although I still have no plan for my future, I'm no longer waiting for him to one day give me that. I'm walking, trusting that he will guide and direct my life according to his plan. The book of Luke says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. The light within you refers to the Christianity inside of me and that I don't want it to be simply rituals. It's a reminder that Christianity is not merely a practice, but it is who you are. It's who I am. Every single one of those stories was awesome. Really good. Thank you for uh, sharing your lives with us. I'm going to invite them to come forward, all, every one of you, and we're going to make you do this a second time. We ask uh, baptism candidates uh, to respond to a pledge uh, in order that the congregation may know your intentions today and your readiness for Christian baptism. We ask you to respond truthfully to the following questions. Is it of your own free will and desire that you came to be baptized today? Have you, through repentance towards God and faith in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, experienced the forgiveness of sins, and do you now enjoy peace with God? By God's grace, do you commit, to living, commit yourself to living a life in pursuit of Christian holiness according to the teaching of the Word of God? Do you renounce any and all previous involvement in other religions or other spiritualistic practices? And do you now commit yourself to the lifelong worship of the one true God as revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. That's so good. I'm going to invite them to come up. Anyone who would like to, to we're going to spend some time praying for them uh, as individuals. And, and so if you'd like to come and participate in that, you're welcome to come on up right now. And uh, I'll ask you folks to shove on forward. Let's gather around. So anyone that wants to, and, and the rest of you, would you please stand together uh, so that you can just, uh, in your own heart and mind, be participating and praying a blessing on these individuals as they take this uh, awesome step. Anyone here on the platform who wants to pray, two or three of you can pray, uh, just uh, look to me and I'll hand you the microphone. I'm just going to read from Ephesians chapter 1. Um, you also... You six here were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of God's glory. And so... Uh, Father, we affirm this truth and uh, pray that the uh, 
each one would know your presence, this gift of the promised Holy Spirit within them, in union with their spirit, as they walk with you, bringing communion, peace, love, joy, <laughs> all hope, all these good gifts. Lord, I pray you would fill them, and from this day on, they would know this uh, reality, this spiritual reality that marks them out, that makes them different uh, and uniquely loved by you, and, uh, and that provides uh, purpose and uh, a future for them as they walk with you within them. So bless them with this knowledge, I pray, Father, uh, for your name's sake. God, we've heard their testimonies, and uh, we've heard their love for you. And so, God, we, uh, we pray that they would uh, know your hope that we've heard about this morning, that they would be filled with your hope, that even as they uh, enter uh, the water or have and uh, come out, that your Holy Spirit would rest on them, Lord, Amen. that they would be filled with your Spirit and know the hope of the glory that you've called them to. And they would know uh, your love, Lord, that is wide and high and beyond our understanding, Lord. Amen. So I pray as, as they understand the seal that's been placed on them, as Dave has read, that they'd also know your hope and your love in ways that they're only going to begin to explore in the coming days and weeks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I do pray, Lord, that uh, uh, even as they go under the water and as they come out, Father, I pray, Lord, even uh, those who have mentioned fears, mm. Father, you would release them Amen. from fear, uh, Father, that chains them. Yeah. I pray that for each one, Father, I pray, even as they come out, uh, you would fill them with boldness that comes from you and you alone, Father. Uh, Father, just like the uh, people in Acts, Father, they were filled with boldness. Uh, so we pray that for each one here, Father, uh, you would cover them. Father, I thank you, Lord, you said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. When you call upon me, I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things you know not of. So, Father, we pray that, Father, for each one. Father, they would know that uh, you are their great father and the plans that you have for them are deeper and higher and wider than they could ever imagine. So, Father, bless them profoundly as they go through these waters of baptism and they come out, Father. Mm -hmm. uh, you would fill them with your spirit mm -hmm. in a new way, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. So, Father, we uh, stand here with these six with great joy today for the step that they're taking. As they've shared with us how they have decided to put their trust in Christ and to follow him, Lord, we know that that we're not the only ones smiling today. All heaven is smiling on these guys today. Lord, you, you just are so happy 
You're cheering them on. You're, ble- you're, you're, you're going, my children in whom I'm well pleased. Lord, I, I believe uh, if you were to open heaven again and do that, Lord, that was, that's what you would share. And uh, Lord, you are pleased with them. And this is a, an initial step, and you've got many, many more steps for them. And we commit as a church to journey with them and, and continue to be an encouragement to them as they grow in Christ, as they walk with you, as they find out more and more of the riches of what it means to be a Christian. Lord, uh, would you indeed this morning, we think of, of sometimes when someone takes a step like this, it's a little bit out on the limb, and sometimes they face pushback from the enemy who doesn't like to see progress in our lives, God. And so we pray for protection over each one, that you would guard them and keep them and uh, watch over them, Lord, and that they would, they would know that they are strong, not in themselves, they're strong in you. And so fill them with that knowledge today and that sense of your protection, your hand in their lives. And uh, whatever they face, whatever they go through, Lord, we know today that you're sufficient and you have great desires for them and you're going to do great things in them. So we pray all these things together and all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you.